Hello, hello, Carney. This is Peter Holland of the Carney Hub, alongside with Buck Mahoney, and this is the Hub Sports Podcast. What's going on, Buck? We're hitting the uh, stretch run here for all the minor sports. The ones that don't get a lot of coverage, softball, cross-country. Carney softball have one more game left, and for now it's district, sub-districts. Right. We just got through the UNK Invitational, and that was quite the experience there. It was hot. Saw some runners dying, not finishing their races. And well, we also saw some pretty good racers like Lexington winning their um, winning their invitation for the boys and six medaled. It was pretty much a good experience. Do you have any quick takeaways on um, the, the UNK Invitational cross country? Just that it was hot and that wreaks havoc with a lot of teams. We saw a couple of runners go out early that were leaders that we expected would win. That by the halfway point of the race, they weren't even in the race anymore. And you hate to see that kind of stuff happen, but those kids will learn from that. They'll be back at state and they'll be stronger. Just, just watching these runners just getting right to the finish line, they just dying and just. They, and once they reach the finish line and they just see they're struggling just to walk it off or just trying to get to that, I'll get to hell while they try to get water and try to breathe and get air. I just ask myself, why do you do this sport? Why? I think it's cruel and unusual punishment that they put the water 50 yards from the finish line. <laughs> it's even more cruel. They had to go up the hill. Up the hill to get cold water. Yeah, yeah, or just to cool himself off in the shade. You can't even taste at that Carney Country Club. That's that's probably one of the toughest toughest fields out there. It's a tough course, a very tough course. Like I said, that's that's why they get you know close to two thousand runners at that meet. Is those kids get to learn that course, know where the ups and downs are, and where you need to rest, where you can push yourself. It's a good practice before state comes around. Right. So. And it's probably it might be cooler before then. So it should be cooler when we run state here in the last week of October. Hats off to um, all the cross country runners for um, finishing the event and all the winners in that um, invitational. I feel like talking with some football. Start off with some Carney High football. They're just coming off another loss. Uh, lost to Bellevue West, forty nine to thirteen. And there's a lot of things that I really need to get off my chest. I've been talking about it after that Bellevue West game from both teams for that matter. I'm going to start with Bellevue West a little bit. Buck, yes, the final score says 49-13, to 13, but it looks kind of deceiving in a way. And also at the same time, I also understood why Carney lost in those last couple of weeks and why the scores, the results showed what it showed. But I'm going to talk about Bellevue West because this is what I saw. For one thing, I'm not that impressed. Nothing that screams me that this is a team that's going to run team over and win state. And I think we kind of saw a glimpse of that, of why they lost to Miller South. And also, even week before that, had a barely beat Creighton Preps. Granted, both good teams. But I was just looking at Bellevue West as one thing about them is why I'm not sold on them. They're not disciplined. Not as disciplined than I thought they would be. They had nine penalties the entire game. Six came in that first half. I see false starts. I see late hits. I see unsportsmanlike conduct right after getting a first down inside the 15. And you have to go back at five more yards for that, for that reason. I'm just not 
impress enough. They have the talent and they're loaded, of course, and they're going to make a good run state-wise. But it's just a matter of time you're going to run into Miller South again or any other team um, in the metro area in Class A. And that could probably, and they're probably thinking they could beat this Bellevue West team that they're not as dominant than what we're giving credit for. They have the talent, but they could definitely be beaten. And that's what I saw from that game against Carney. Obviously, they beat Carney because they had the talent. That's a gimme. We all saw that. But when State comes around, I'm not fully convinced that they will beat State champs or they're good enough to be a State championship team, if, if that makes sense. If, Talking to people in the eastern part of the state, you know, they're, they're pretty sold on Millard South. Absolutely. Miller South is probably deserves to be the number one team. I can see that. But Bellevue West is there and they've got you know, a month to get things straightened out. Sure, sure. But they've, they've got work to do. I'm just not impressed about them right now. There's just nothing that sees me. This is my first time seeing Bellevue West and seeing all the talent that they have. It was 7-6 and six in the second quarter. They didn't even score at all in the first quarter. And that's just something about that game. I mean, take away the touchdowns L.J. Richardson had. He had three touchdowns, rushed for 148 yards, including that 80-yard run that pretty much everything went downhill after that for Carney. But take away those three touchdowns, it'll be a pretty good game. Carney will only be down by two possessions. And I think Carney, if they could get their situation, and that's what I'm going to talk about on Carney's side in a minute, that, Carney was right there in the first half, but that's also the problem with the Bearcats right now and why you see what we're seeing right now, why they're 2-3, losing back-to-back. Carney has so many missed opportunities to score. It is ridiculous. So many missed opportunities where you're just frustrated. You're right there moving the ball well, moving the chains. Parker White can get, he's not going to be a 100-yard rusher, but he'll give you the yards when you need it the most. But there's so many missed opportunities to put points on the board, make it a one-possession game, or even make it a more closer game. They were right there. And like I said, but it's those little things. The drop passes from your wide receivers. When you're in their territory, the fumbles that you have inside the 20 when you could have easily scored a score a touchdown. Carney only had one touchdown that game, and that was in the third quarter. And even with that touchdown from Riley Miller to Caden Miller, Miller time. But after that, things went sideways. I mean, it was 22 to 13 in the third quarter, but then Bellevue West put up 21 unanswered points in that third quarter alone. They are not a second half team. And they're not even a third quarter team. That's pretty much their equipped and their breaking point there. They gave away 21 points in the third quarter against Bellevue West. Even against Miller West, they give away 21 points as well. So they're not a second half team, and that continues to be the downfall. And by the time their opponents are in control, Carney started to, to shut down. And that's my concern for Carney going forward with these final four games left. They gotta win all four quarters. And, and when you have scoring opportunities, you cannot miss. You cannot settle for field goals every possession. Or better yet, you cannot give away turnovers. They can create turnovers. That's on the defensive side. But then but then on the opposite end, when you're allowing turnovers, the opposing team will take advantage of that and score right after off those turnovers. But Carney, they can't do that. They will, the defense will create turnovers, but nothing to show for it. And that's just one of those concerns for Carney going forward. Again, Carolina to halfway point of the season. A lot of football yet to be played. Sure. A lot of things can be fixed. A lot of things can be broken. 
Yeah, you're concerned about things like that. But again, those are things that can be fixed. And looking at Carney's schedule, they got some games coming up where they can fix those things. Absolutely. They got Columbus coming up at Columbus. And also, granted, Carney, they are also in search of their first road win. They still haven't won one yet. Not, not a big deal. It's basically out who they play. And that's what I'm about to say. I mean, I'm just looking at Columbus right now. Just looking at how they're 4-1 right now. And you can see that and say, like, okay, Columbus is a good team, maybe, pretty much. But I'm just looking at your schedule. Who do they beat? I don't think it's a great schedule. Like, I would just ask you this right now. If Columbus and Carney swap schedules right now, I will see the same results of Columbus. They will probably be two and three, and likely Carney will probably be four and one. Maybe 5-0. and oh. Their only loss was to Omaha Central. And I'm just looking at the teams Columbus beat. They beat Norfolk, Lincoln Northeast, and uh, Lincoln. Barely beat Lincoln, too. Those are the teams that Columbus have beaten so far. And granted, they do got a D1 player, Ernest Hausman. He's commit a future Cornhusker. I'm sure everyone will be excited by him. He's Linebacker, but he also plays wide receiver as well. Leads the team in receiving yards and tackling. But outside of him, who else are they going to have to depend on? And I think that's probably could be Carney's opportunity to turn this season around. I don't see why Carney cannot beat this Columbus team. Your thoughts? I would agree with you. If I'm picking the game, I'm picking Carney to win it. Carney's gotten tougher playing the tougher schedule. Yeah, Carney would love to play that Columbus schedule, you know. Northeast isn't very good. Norfolk has its struggles. Lincoln High, you know, except for a little blip a couple of years ago, Lincoln High hasn't been good for 20 years. Fuck, all those teams Columbus has faced are 2-3 and three right now, including Kearney. But at, compared to those teams they face, they have the toughest schedule in all of Class A. And there's no reason Carney cannot just go over to Columbus and if they can take, if they can um, match up with Hauserman offensively and defensively, the same way like they did with Devon Jackson. And it was a close game then. I don't see why they can't beat this, beat this Columbus team. The, what, the Discoverers or what they call themselves? Yeah. I don't see why they can't beat them. Like I say, if I was picking it, I'd go with Carney. But that's enough. And with that being said, I'm going a little bit of ahead right now. And like you said, they have an entire month to change, turn their season around now that they're two and three. I'm just looking at all around the rest of their schedule Four, four more games left, including Columbus and three of those four district games. And they're going to need those district wins if they're going to at least get a higher seat. And just looking at them, you got Lincoln High after Columbus. Then you got Elkhorn South. That's probably going to be your toughest, that's your tough games in your remain schedule. And you got Omaha Northwest, who only has one win right now. Yeah. So what I'm asking you, Buck, can this Carney High team win all four games? That's going to lead them to six and three. Are you optimistic uh, they can be six and three? Yeah, optimistic. Yeah, I wouldn't bet a lot. Realistic, but what do you see yeah. realistically? Realistically, there, there's probably. Well, even a five, you know, even a five and four record will be an improvement compared to last year. Yeah, yeah, and five and four, I I think is the basement. You know, they're either going to be five and four or six. They're going to have to if they'll at least get an attempt to get home field advantage for the first two rounds. Would would that be the be the case? I wouldn't get them the first two. I'll get them the first round, but not the second round. 
I don't know the, how the the brackets are in Nebraska, but what about six and three? Is it still six and three? It'd be depending on depending on which side of the bracket they're in. Yeah, on sixteen teams make the playoffs. So you got to be top eight to be at home in the first round. Top four to be at home second. It, it's very. Uh-huh. Basically, my point is saying they have to win here on now, and that that would just make things a lot easier to evaluate. But it starts with Friday night. They gotta beat Columbus. You cannot afford you cannot afford this kind of loss. You gotta get that. Can't lose Columbus, even though they're four and one. That's a deceiving record. I th- yeah. I could see Carney go out there and get the win. If you beat them, there's that's good points. That's 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 good styles points for them, no doubt about it. So that's off to so wish the best of luck to um Carney. They play Friday night at Columbus. Unfortunately, I won't be the, be there. That's that's far of a drive as it is. But we'll tell you who is doing well and who might be might have home field advantage. How about Carney Catholic? Carney Catholic five and zero coming off a. 39-8 win in their homecoming win over Minden High School. Riley Greaser rushed for 248 yards. He's likely going to be my top performer. First time they've been 5-0 since 2014. It's been a while, but since they started out 5-0. and And we've been saying this, that week after week, just is continuing to improve, continuing to open up the offense for Brad Mahoney quarterback. They're running the ball well with Riley Greaser in the backfield. Their offensive line and defensive front is just continuing to win the line of scrimmage. And defensively, you can argue how well they've been doing, only allowing an average, what, 10 points a game or something like that. So... But in goes Broken Bow. We've been saying this, that Rashawn Harvey's been right on the money. Ro- Broken Bow is the most improved team right now. They're 4-1. and one. They're coming off their win over O'Neal. You can kind of say that's a bounce-back win after losing to Ord High School. But now I'm just looking at their roster, and I'm looking specifically their linemen. They're over 200 pounds. They're somewhere in between 205 to 280. And their biggest one is their offensive tackle, Tyler Thomas, who's 6'2", 280 pounds, and he's a senior. They even got a freshman who's already 275 right now. So this is going to be a battle of who's going to win the line of scrimmage. And granted, they're big, but I don't know how physically strong they are compared to Carney Catholic because Carney Catholic is big up front themselves, but they're they'll probably have the more advantage because they're probably stronger and they can create the holes or the gaps they needed for it um, in the backfield. Your thoughts, but If this was wrestling, I'd pick Broken Bow in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> they got guys. They got so. guys, and they're probably, like I say, based on their wrestling success, you've got to think that they're pretty decent linemen. But Carney Catholic's playing well. Carney Catholic has experience at playing well. A lot more experience of being good. Mm-hmm. Broken Bow has it being good. I was where I was at this weekend. I was with a lot of people from the eastern part of the state that's asking, you know, who out in your part of the state is good? Who's the good football teams? And I said, well, honestly, the list of teams that can make a run at the state title starts and ends with Carney Catholic. As long as they stay healthy, I think they've got the tools to get there. Absolutely. I even failed to mention that this will be one of their toughest challenges, not only because it's broken boat, but you're also playing on a Thursday night. So you're subtracting one day of practice during the week from four to three. So that could be in a wet way in a challenge just because it's a Thursday night and you're playing at Broken Bow. That's going to be quite a challenge for for the Stars, you think? 
and Burton Bowes playing on four nights too. And uh, I don't know if home field advantage is worth that much. High school in Nebraska. What's there in Broken Bow? I never been there, so I'm and I'm gonna be there Thursday. So what should I know about the Broken Bow community? What do you know about the Broken Bow community? Got a real nice center courtyard in town. Golf course has been improved. Railroad runs right through town. Yeah, that's about it. Broken Bow. <laughs> Any good place to eat there? Good place to drink beer. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not, I shouldn't be telling you that. Uh, <laughs> Those are just some of the things I really need to be aware of before I make the trip. <laughs> good, uh, especially brew house. That's not helping me, Buck. I know. <laughs> I know, not helping you. All right. Nice, nice road, nice road trip up there. Pretty scenery right along the Loop River. Anyways, if you cut south of Ansley, there's actually a hill where you can see the lights of Broken Bow and Kearney and Lexington in the middle of the night. So. <laughs> I guess that's kind of good to know. Kearney Catholic, 5-0, and undefeated, continuing to impress. We can also say that this could be one of the toughest stretch for Kearney Catholic in those remaining four games after Broken Bow at Adam Central. That's a rivalry game itself, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of. Kind of becoming, yeah. Then you got Holdridge. I'm sure they're going to beat Holdridge. But then that last game, Kozat, and they're undefeated as well. I'm hoping that Carney Catholic continues their winning streak. And same goes for Kozat. That could be one heck of a season finale before they get ready for state. So my question is for you, Buck, is can they continue that perfection and can, and finish the regular season 9-0 and and get a higher seed? It won't be easy. Um, I'm sure that Adam Central has this game circled on his calendar. Cozad wants this game. I know that. I've talked to people from Cozad. Like you said, Broken Bow's not going to be easy. It's gonna mm-hmm. Three of the last four games are pretty tough. And, yep, they should be a decent seed no matter what happens. Unless, unless they go on a losing streak. I'm kind of worried now that you bring it up. They go on a losing streak. Nobody wants to hear that, but. As long as they stay healthy, they're not. As long as they stay healthy. <laughs> Buck, how about them Lopers? How about them Lopers? Another win, another ugly win, and beating Central Missouri 31-28 and was not ideal of a final score, but at the same time, at the way UNK has been playing, they finally another ways of finding ways of winning a ball game. But the only difference is, Buck, compared to the last three games where we had to depend on TJ Davis, and granted we did they did the same thing had to depend on TJ Davis, but in their win against Central Missouri, everyone got involved. I don't know if you saw that, but he got guys involved. I'm just looking at their, their um, statistically um, in the backfield. Damian Kearns, he has 79 yards. Dayton Seeley, 71 yards. 223 rushing yards. He got receivers, Michael Koch, 80 yards. Colin Herrera, 68 yards, including that game-winning touchdown to help seal the deal. They're getting guys involved when T.J. Davis was not able to not able to do him by himself. I Central Missouri did a good job figuring them out. He had three sacks. So they were prepared, well prepared. And you can honestly say just from a statistically standpoint, Central Missouri outplayed them. But yet they but yet again, UNK, unlike Nebraska, can find ways to lose. UNK keep finding ways to win. Your thoughts? Talk to Coach Lynn at lunchtime. When we talked about when you're winning, you find ways to win. And you you'd go out, and he said, like, 
you know, they went out on the last drive and they were fairly confident they were going to go down and score and win. Whereas on the other hand, we all sat there going, the Rats are going to lose this game somehow, some way. And they found a way to lose it. So UNK right now is in a situation where the kids feel like they can win every day. They're practicing like winners. They're playing like winners. Central Missouri, yes, came out. They kind of did an umbrella defense and made sure that TJ did not get to the outside. I'm sure Fort Hay State are doing going to do the same thing. They're watching. TJ is not going to run between the tackles and beat you. So you need Dayton Seeley and Damian Kearns. And we got to get Miko Maisner going at some point. Montrez Jackson. The good thing was that TJ probably had a great day pass. Absolutely. 13 for 20 for 227 yards and two touchdowns. We always say that he can pass it just as much as he can run it. And we saw it. We see it. And you might have said that. <laughs> I've only recently come to that conclusion that he didn't grow up pretty well. But um, Central Missouri proved that they were, you know, we could see why. Preseason top 13. We could see why. They had quarterback issues, and they might have found their quarterback against the Lopers. So, and they had a big crowd. They played at home. It's a six-hour bus trip, seven-hour bus trip for UNK. Mm-hmm. But again, UNK found a way to win. Now they go to Fort Hayes. Fort Hayes two and two, but lost one game when the other team had three defensive touchdowns. So, really should be three and one. First, first two games started out zero and two. They lost to Northwest Missouri State fifteen to seven. Fail to mention fifteen to seven. That's a one touchdown game with Northwest Missouri. That's a bit, that's as good as a win. Not to mention, I have to mention this too. UNK is ranked number twelve right now. Northwest Missouri State number four. Four. That's one. When did they slide that far? I don't know. That's what I saw in the rankings. Weren't they number two at one point? Depending on the rankings you read, they're still number two. And then they won two in a row. They dismantled Lincoln, 72 to zip, and they beat Missouri Southern 42 to 21. So we're pretty much with saying that the Tigers, they've been challenged, and UNK is going to have to deal with another tight battle. It might come down in the fourth quarter. And, Buck, you've seen those two already duke it out in those last couple of seasons. I'm just looking at all the last. The last few years of them going against each other, 2019, Fort Hayes won 37 to 31. The year before that, it was an overtime loss, 29 to 26. Since those years of being an MIAA team, they have never beaten Fort Hayes State. And that's always that. And playing at their home field, hostile environment. I've been up Fort Hayes on about one or twice, and I've seen their stadium. It's, it's really nice. And it's homecoming for them. And I believe it's also a night game. So putting that all together, UNK is going to have to pull something out of their hats just to escape against Fort Hay State. Oh, well, scores three points two years ago, three points three years ago. Yeah, in 2018, they lost 29 to 26. What? Want to elaborate on that? They had a great field goal kicker. Great field goal kicker. Yeah, he graduated. <laughs> But okay, is there um, any other guys in Fort Hay State that we should uh, be on the lookout? No, we transferred. We got their best lineman transferred to us. Uh, no, <laughs> no, Fort Hay State will be tough. Like I say, they could easily. Well, they played Northwest Missouri tough. They did. Should have beaten Missouri Western. 
beating Missouri Southern, beating Lincoln. We're making bets on whether Lincoln even plays when they come here. Uh, <laughs> so Fort Hayes State will be, uh, you know, they, they should be in the top half of the conference. This is a tough conference. It really is. And as much as I like to be on the edge of my seat whenever I'm listening to Jason Jurgensen and KRVN, uh, but on the good side of UNK, just continue to find ways to win and just building building that winning culture over there. But then on the downside of it is that you put yourself in a deep hole in the first half, not playing exactly like you will play in the second half. Is there a way that they can just play all four quarters and be in control? They're working on it. <laughs> I think that's their theme for this week is to maybe win a game without going into the last minute. Yeah, it's, instead of having to finish on that last drive, I mean, we like a good game. And there, and there are three for three on that last. Yeah. <laughs> There's no debating that, but it's just a matter of time. One of these teams that remain scheduled will have that figured out or they're just going to come up short. And we don't want to see that for UNK. It's just fun to win. And every time you win, you, you get you get more used to it and you get more confident. And it's better to be 4-0 than to be 2-2. Two two. Just not about, no doubt about it. I can't argue there. Anyways, going to put out all our top performers of this week. I'll start out first on the boys' side. I already mentioned it already. Riley Greaser rushed for 244 yards, a career high for the kid. 244 yards, two touchdowns, and they're winning against Minden. He now has 820 rushing yards this season, averages 8.6 yards a carry. That guy, he's a tough runner. He's a dependable runner, and he keeps the offense going. And other than Brett Mahoney, of course, passing it, but he's the guy that just keeps the chains moving when you need him. And averaging 8.6 yards and just on the verge of having a 1,000-yard season, Riley Greaser, definitely an unsung hero, but definitely under the radar as far as a running back perspective. He just, he's just having a great gear. So, as of the Riley Greaser. On the girls' side, this will be a little bit of a curveball here. Bella Molina. How about Bella Molina? She had a two-run homer and helped lead the um, Carney High softball team in their invitational win. Went 3-0 and in the Lincoln Northeast tournament. And that two-run homer... It tied her, her career home run record. I don't know the exact, I don't have the exact numbers on me right now, but hats off for it, um, the Carney High softball uh, for getting that, um, going through, you know, going un, going unbeaten in that Lincoln Northeast tournament. And obviously this is not the year for the Bearcats, but this could obviously be the highlight of their season, you would per se. Maybe not, but, you know, they've got some districts coming up. But as far as as far as the regular season, though, this is obviously and again we've got Heartland Athletic Conference coming up. They can they can be celebrating. They've lost a ton of one run and two run games. Sure, if they get it turned around, get the little things cleaned up, they would be a team you don't want to play in the postseason. Who you got for your top performers, Buck? Who I got for my top performers? First of all, let's go with the Bertrand volleyball coach Lisa Mason. She got her 500 victory last week. It's a lot of wins. <laughs> that is a lot. I know Lisa's been there in 30-some years. She was an assistant when I started here, so I've been here for 38, so I know that Lisa's been coaching for a long time, but I'm happy she got her 500 plan. I'm also going to go with McKenna Willis from uh, Shelton. She went over, she set the school record for set assist, career set assist, and she's only junior, I think. 
Yeah, she's a junior, and uh, she's got Shelton going on the right path. They're having a good year. They've only lost once, I believe. I would remiss that we didn't mention about the Carney Catholic volleyball team and how well they've they've been doing as well. They just come off an impressive Invitational win going on being at the Aurora Invitational without their setter of Cindy Connor, who has been the trending topic of discussion throughout not only in this community, but throughout the state now. I mean, even Omaha World Herald did a story about the um, car train accident that that um, she sustained and that uh, that's going to keep her out. Uh, and also for the record, she's alive. She's alive and well. She's dealing with some pains, and we don't know a specific time of will she'll return for the rest of the season or even when state comes around. But even so, Carney Catholics is to continue on, even with the, the distractions, they're still doing pretty well. And Callie Squires, she um, was the replacement for for um, Sydney, and she's she looks she looks pretty good um, as a setter, and it also just shows that she's young. She's only a sophomore. I'm just looking at the rosters. I didn't realize how amazingly young but yet experienced they, the Carney Catholic stars are gaining from this. Just not just not just also Kelly Squires, but you gotta look at Margaret Harbor. She's doing well as an outside hitter. Um, she'll make a good replacement for that when Ashley kept the parts. And you just look at um Jenna um, Cruzy, that's her say. She's only a junior, and I think she leads the team in aces. Having all these Avery Menernag is another player as well who's doing doing good as the blocker just having all these all these players and they're only underclassmen it just shows the, the direction and the bright future this team is going to have going forward and just see how far they can go even without their senior setter Cindy Connor you, your thoughts on that but for me it's I'm following the bloodlines of all those Ashley Keck she's her dad's a good athlete let's uh of course, Sydney Connors, Shayla Connors' little sister, and you know Chris Connors' daughter. We talked about Harvard, you know about older brother. You talked about well, Callie Squires is taking over the setter. Mm-hmm. Callie's Madison Squires' little sister. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> you know, Maddie's a great setter at UNK, all American. And um, Andernack, her dad played basketball for the Lopers, and. One you haven't mentioned is some London Carnes that has taken over for Callie at the other middle locker spot. Her mother's a former UNK softball American Holly Carnes, former UNK softball coach Holly Carnes. So uh, I'm looking at all this going, well, she should be good. She, you know, mom was good, dad was good, big sister was good, big brother was good. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I just you go through this lineup and I go, yep, that's another one. <laughs> with that being said, with Carney Catholic, they do got a tough stretch. It's going to be fun to watch postseason. I can't wait. Anything else going on for the week, Buck? Hey, we got district golf count up on Monday. Carney High should qualify. Carney Catholics kind of on the bubble. Softball sub districts last year, Monday. Single elimination. Single elimination this year. I- Changes it a bit. However, again, there's six wild cards for going in this district finals, which are two out of three. Carney Catholic should be in should be in good shape. They should they'll host the their sub district on Monday. I don't have times yet. We should be getting those real soon. HAC tournament for the um, Carney High Boys tennis. 
that's um, Saturday as well. Hurry up, boys. Tennis are having a really good year. You know, they've been in the top 10 the last three or four years, maybe mm-hmm. longer. This, this is a team that could be top five. Um, they don't have enough foreign exchange students, but they'll, they'll do well. <laughs> well, the, the local the local players are not this good enough. They gotta get they gotta get someone from like in Spain or something. <laughs> but no, uh, Troy Salisbury is definitely a good job uh, of running his tennis program. Um, they've always been competitive, and um, good luck to them and how the boys are doing. How many guys you think is going to qualify for state? Oh, that's easy because everybody qualified. That's easy. There's going to be six for Kearney High, six for Kearney Catholic, six for Boulder, six for Lexington. They're all going to qualify. <laughs> Anyways, um, there's another thing that we didn't mention that's going, that's going to happen this weekend. The Wrestling Banquet for UNK. And Kamaru Osman will be making his return to Kearney, the Nigerian Nightmare. Before he was a Nigerian Nightmare, he was a loper. Do you have any memories of him as a wrestler, Buck? Any anyone that comes to mind? Nothing other than just you know he was really good. He was methodical. He wasn't flashy at all. He went out and just took care of business. He was he was aggressive. Scored scored points early and usually he was a dominant wrestler in division two. Looking forward to that. I will I will definitely be at the banquet and I'm gonna see if I can get some sound bites from Kamaro. Me and Peter are already uh setting something up coordinate with that. So we'll hear some thoughts from Kamaro Usman and his return to Carney. So that'll be on our next episode. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you all for listening to the Hub Sports podcast. This was a this was a good discussion. Um I'm a little bit longer than I would thought it would be, but just continue to get better, and uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to give us some feedback. Send us an email at sports at com. Follow us on Twitter at the Hub Sports blog, or at or follow my personal account at dubpistol underscore d a underscore p i s t o l. Or follow Buck. He doesn't go on Twitter as much, but when he does, he'll probably retweet something of you, or probably respond to you maybe later, or message him or whatever. Tell him, hey. Hey, we like the podcast. And probably two days later, say thanks. Follow him at Hubsports underscore Mahoney, M-A-H-O-N-E-Y. Thank you all for listening to the Hubsports podcast, and we'll see you all next time.